For the second season in a row, North Carolina enters the final regular season game needing a win over Duke to solidify their NCAA tournament status. And for the second year in a row, that's exactly what they're going to do. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Come on up on the show. We got the what to watch for in the Duke game, a recap of the women's opening round of the ACC tournament and more. But we want to get started with what I just said. Carolina is essentially in the exact same position they were at this exact moment last season where they were heading into Cameron, final regular season game, Coach K's final regular season game, and remember, we called it hashtag ruin a retirement party. That was our thing here on the show. And they won that game to solidify their NCAA tournament status, and they're going to do that again on Saturday. Except this year it might also take a win or two in the ACC tournament to really feel solid about it, but you get the bigger point. So the question becomes, why do I feel so convicted so strong why is that such a bold take that carolina is going to win this game i've got some reasons for you number one pete nance new and improved pete nance 2.0 i've said this a couple times throughout this season but i really feel like carolina has been cheated out of the Pete Nance experience they thought they would have. Yes, there's been a slump, but I think a big part of it has been due to his ailments with his back. And I believe that it must be feeling better and that his recent performance is not an outlier or an exception, but the new normal. It is, as as we talked about on yesterday's show with Coach Pat Kilby, this is water returning to its level. Because Pete Nance's career numbers are not the player that you've seen this year. They are what he's been doing the last couple games. You often hear about regression to the mean. Like if, uh, let's say, a baseball player is uh, hitting more home runs than his career average would suggest, his career numbers would suggest. Eventually, you have regression to the mean or with uh, batting average or something. Well, in this case, it's progression to the mean because Pete Nance has been below and is finally blowing up and you got to make a bunch of shots to get back to where you need to be. And that's what's happening. Here's the great news. With Pete Nance being the version of himself that he is right now, it completely changes Carolina's offensive dynamics. It opens everything up because he, like when he's playing as he is right now, is a true stretch four that can knock down this outside shot. What does it do? It frees up the lane for Armando because teams can't sag onto Armando. They've got to cover Leaky. They've got to cover Pete. It also creates more driving lanes, allowing Caleb, allowing RJ, allowing Leaky, heck, to get in there and attack the rim, maybe draw a defender, and then Armando gets some easy cleanup action. So Pete Nance, operating at the level that he has been for the last couple games, legitimately makes all the difference in Carolina's offense. And moreover, it makes it infinitely more difficult for other teams to game plan against it. A second reason I believe that Carolina is primed to win this game, is going to, 
is that they're in the right headspace, right? A lot of times at the end of the season, you get caught up in, oh, it's senior night and all the feels and stuff. And that's fine and good. And you want to do that. But let me give you an example. I believe they're in the exact right headspace. On Thursday afternoon at his media availability, Armando Baycott was asked, hey, Armando, with this potentially being your last home game, what does this game mean to you? And Armando basically succinctly said, it means a lot. But I think even more importantly, it's a game we need to win. And so I love that that's where Armando's focus is. Yeah, he, he cares that it might be his last game. But more importantly than that, we got to get a victory. And that's what he's that's where he's at. And I would imagine if he's there, that means everyone else is right with him dialed in on that. The next reason Carolina is going to win this game, though, is because they're at home and because it's senior night. This is Coach Davis's first uh, Duke senior night. Remember last year, Carolina hosted Syracuse for senior night. Uh, by the way, it'll be interesting to see who he starts. Um, you know, Coach uh, has a tradition, just like Coach Williams, of starting seniors. Well, there are six of them on the lineup. You've got the three normal starters, Leakey, a graduate, Pete Nance, a graduate, and Armando, a senior. But then also Justin McCoy is a senior. Jackson Watkins is a senior and Dewey Ferris is a senior. That is six different seniors, whether they're seniors or grads or whatever. And so very curious to see how coach David approaches this. It's not unique. It's happened before under coach Williams and uh, curious to see if coach Davis does the same thing, but with it being at home, keep in mind, Duke undefeated at home this year, 16 and Oh, but in true road games, they are three and six. Also, Duke's last three games have all been at Cameron. Four of their last five have been at Cameron. How are these freshmen for Duke going to handle going on the road to play at raucous Dean E. Smith Center on Saturday night? Now, obviously, you've got Jeremy Roach. You've got some transfer uh, older, stu older student athletes, and that's great. But the main dudes are the youngins. How do they respond? And, and Carolina has to respond to that too. They can't get all overexcited. So we'll keep our eye on that. But I think being at home and being senior night is going to be a help for the Tar Heels and a, a, a hurt for Duke. Next, the reason Carolina is going to win this game is because they need it more. It's desperation. There was a storyline around the first meeting. Who, who does this game matter for more? And at that point, I thought it was Duke because they were really kind of in that struggling stretch. They've played better lately. They've won five in a row. Again, remember, four out of five of those have been at Cameron. So that plays a factor. But Carolina is desperate for this victory. And I think that will play out. And it, it I mean, they have to do it that way. They can't just, rah, they got to get the 50-50 balls. They have to be all in on that. But I think desperation plays into uh, a factor. And then the, the final reason I think that Carolina will win this game is because there was a lot that went wrong in Cameron. A lot of things that were outliers of Carolina's seasonal season long statistical trends that if you fix a lot of those, you're golden. Carolina only lost that game by six. They were down by one at halftime. If, if you just take one or two of those things, fix them, tweak them to where they're in line with the season long numbers, you're golden and you get a win plus home field advantage. Carolina will win this basketball game. Now, I just mentioned all those things that went wrong. So how does Carolina get this win? By fixing those things that went wrong the first time. What were they? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I about them in today's What to Watch For, our W2W4. And we're going to get there in just a second.
But first, I need to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, we're just past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads, anything you want to find. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we get right now into our what to watch for, our W2W4, where I give you four things to keep your eyes on in this game that are going to contribute to what I said is going to be a Carolina victory. So number one, the free throw line. Oh boy, you remember the imbroglio that happened. That's a word, right? I think so. Let's roll with it. Uh, somebody tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's a real word. Imbroglio. Carolina at the, the game versus NC State in the Smith Center. Remember that big discrepancy in free throws? The same thing, if you'll recall, happened in Carolina's game at Duke. Duke took 15 free throws. Carolina, just three. Now, the free throw numbers or the foul numbers themselves weren't that foul, far off, 14 to 11. But that foul line discrepancy. Woo, boy. In fact, Carolina's three free throw attempts was the only time so far this season that Carolina had single digit attempts. The previous low was 12 at Virginia, who all, who makes a living on not allowing teams to get to the free throw line. And Carolina had 12 against them. Nine more than this lowest thing against Duke. The Tar Heels have to get to the free throw line. So watch out for that. Are they able to do it better? Coach Davis talked about this in his media availability on Thursday. He said part of it is want to, right? Like this is Armando uh, finding a way to get there. This is other guys driving in, utilizing those driving lanes, getting right into defenders and, and forcing the issue. Coach Davis also talked about, hey, we're, we are working on some new ways to get Armando in position and, and other things, but you have to force the referees to make calls. You cannot settle for shots. Carolina has been doing a lot better with that lately, and I think that'll play into this, but you have to stay in attack mode. You have to move the ball, and you got to get to the free throw line. So watch for that. W2, W4, number one. W2, W4.2 is transition points. This is another of those things that went wrong at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Now, let's be honest about this. This version of Carolina so far under Hubert Davis is not train wreck, run it down your throat like under Coach Williams, right? It's not warp speed tempo. They're a little bit more uh, under controlled, a little more deliberate, perhaps we could say, but you've noticed recently that the tempo has picked up. RJ's getting downhill more quickly. Carolina has been intentional about using the pass to get the ball up court more quickly, things of that. And so I want to see that happen because remember, here's the number. In the first meeting, the one at Duke, the Blue Devils outscored the Tar Heels in transition points 20 to 2. Very, very similar to that free throw discrepancy. That, remember, that was 15 attempts for Duke, three attempts for Carolina. Transition points, for Duke, just two for the Tar Heels. So Carolina has to find ways, A, 
to limit Duke, that means they have to have more urgency in getting back defensively in transition. And it also means they need to find their own offense more quickly. You remember those eight blocks from Derek Lively. Part of that is what happens when you allow a team to get set and then have to attack in a half-court set. If you can get out and get buckets before Duke set, you're in position to not have to worry about avoiding Derek Lively at the rim. So whether it's through the dribble or the pass, get out in transition. Number three on the W2W4, you got to contain Kyle Filipowski again. This guy is the front runner for ACC freshman of the year, which is really saying something because uh, you might remember me talking about this before, but preseason, he was voted fifth on his own team. There were four other Duke players voted higher than him in the preseason ACC freshman of the year poll, chiefly Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, who, by the way, will be back for this one. He didn't play in the first game, Derek Whitehead. In the first meeting, Carolina did a nice job containing Kyle Filipowski. He was just four of 14 in 35 minutes. He did score 14 points, second leading scorer for Duke in that game. But again, 14 attempts to get 14 points. I can live with that every day of the week. Carolina might have that same approach. Let's force someone else other than Kyle Filipowski to beat us. But also watch for this. Sometimes you you employ the approach of, hey, we're going to let Filipowski get his and we're going to cut off everyone else. We are going to make a decision to stop Jeremy Roach in his tracks and not let him do it to us or whatever it may be. I think they will work to work at containing Filipowski again. But I also wouldn't be shocked to see that approach as well. Keep in mind, last time it was Pete Nance who had the, the main defensive assignment on Filipowski, not Leakey. Leakey uh, was guarding someone else. I believe it was uh, Mark Mitchell, maybe Tyrese Proctor. I think it was Mark Mitchell. Um, and so we'll see if those defensive assignments are the same. But but looking for that, uh, who will guard Filipowski and can they contain him again? What to watch for? Point number four. You can't let Derek Lively dominate defensively or dominate the game again. We already said it. Eight blocks in the last game. Now, multiple of those eight blocks were fouls that were not called. Let's just get that out in the open and remember that. Okay, let's move that off the plate and just recognize, though, Derek Lively is a phenomenal defender. I've often compared him to the way Anthony Davis dominated defensively for his one season at Kentucky. It wasn't his offensive game. His offensive skill set was not very refined yet, but he he had ways that he would dominate games on the defensive end because Derek Lively, while he was essentially the MVP of that game with the way he impacted Carolina's offense, he only scored four points. And yet right? That, that defensive intensity. So you can't allow that to happen again. So what does Carolina do to fix some of that? Well, Armando was asked about this on Thursday and uh, basically he said that he had allowed Derek Lively too much space to the first time he has to get closer into him. You might, might not be aware of this, but the best way to negate a shot blocker is to get right into him, get right into his body and not allow him to get his arms extended and block your shot. So if Mondo or, or whomever's driving can get into lively and not allow him to get extended, you know, you can't, like it's harder to sh- swat a shot if you got an alligator arm it, right? You know what I mean? So that is the goal for Armando. Get into the body of Derek Lively because what else does that do? Well, we talked about it with the free throw line. If you can get Derek Lively in foul trouble and get him off the court, I mean, that's a double whammy. Get into him. Don't let him block you, but also get him to the bench. Render him 
moot point in this game because he's on the bench with foul trouble. On the flip side of that, by the way, Mondo has to stay out of foul trouble in this one. He's he's had some foul trouble each of the last two games. Got to watch that. So fourth on the W2, W4, do not let Derek Lively dominate this game defensively as he did the first one. Well, Carolina women opened up their side of ACC tournament play on Thursday. Plus, we've got our heels of the week, the heel of the week, and the heel of the week, and a brief weekend look ahead at other things going on around Chapel Hill. We'll get to all that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Maybe you're trying to eat a little healthier to get that uh, spring break swimsuit body ready to go. That's me. If you're like me and you want to do that, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got the thing for you. You got to try Built Bar because healthy is actually tasty. And why so? Well, for starters, these are covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro or peanut butter brownie. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining great macros. Listen to these numbers. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Best of all, now you don't have to wait around for an order to come from Built.com because they carry it at Sam's Club and Walmart. So go grab yourself a box or better yet, just put it in your Walmart pickup order. Who even goes into the store anymore? Am I right? So you can find that and I promise you, Built will not disappoint you. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. The Carolina women's basketball team started their ACC tournament play on Thursday and came away with a 68-58 win over a tough, gritty Clemson squad that would never let the Tar Heels pull away. Although Carolina led essentially the whole game, they trailed by a total of 16 seconds early in the first quarter and then led literally the rest of the way getting out to as much as a 14-point lead in the third quarter. But again, just Clemson hung tough and Carolina just never pulled away, but got this tough victory. Well, uh, a couple things for us to observe about this game. Number one, it's so good to have Eva Hodgson and Alyssa Utsby back and playing. I know uh, it's just recently returning here, but... Man, there's just so much that they add for Carolina that the Tar Heels are missing. Not only that, but it allows ladies who should be providing bench depth to be providing bench depth rather than starting. So to prove it, Utsby leads the team in this game with 15 points on an efficient 7 of 12 shooting. Eva Hodgson got going early, buried three first quarter threes en route to 13 total points. You want some more love for these ladies? How about it? Carolina had 16 total uh, assists in this game. Hodgson and Usby combined for eight of them on their own against just three turnovers. You love to see that. Third thing about Carolina in this game. I love this balanced scoring attack that the ladies had. (laughs) Kenny Todd Williams, Eva Hodgson, Deja Kelly, Alyssa Usby were all four of them had between between 12 to 15 points, 12 for Kennedy, Todd Williams, 13 for Eva Hodgson, 14 for Deja Kelly and 15 for Alyssa Usby. So it's like they were one upping each other literally by one point there. And then the final thing, just a quick fourth, like I alluded to a second ago, the return of Usby and Hodgson means that both uh, Paulina Paris and Kayla McPherson can, can come off the bench and to have uh, the, the savvy of a guard like Paris coming off the bench 
to have the jet speed of a guard like McPherson coming off the bench is just not a luxury that many teams have. And so that's a great thing for coach Courtney Banghart coming up next for the Tar Heels on Friday, they will enter the quarterfinal round where they will play Duke yet again. Carolina is two and zero against the blue devils this season, having that great, great win on Sunday in the regular season finale in Cameron. And now the Tar Heels have to face them for a third time this season. And the second time within a week's, time and we all know how difficult it is as the cliche goes to win three times against the same opponent in a season so gonna be a tough one for the Tar Heels. six eastern time on acc network make sure you tune in to that next i want to move into our heels of the week remember we have a yay heels of the week and a boo heels of the week so we start with the yay and and we want to hit on these oreos one more time there is just no way around it we have to give our guy, John Minadakis, who was on the show earlier this week, our heel of the week. Not, not just for having a great idea to fill the guy's hotel lobby with packages of lemon Oreos, but also that it was not just because he wanted to do it to do it. He wanted to do it because he realized, as you heard on the story on the show earlier this week, he realized that it might be a way to just loosen the guys up and, and allow them to continue to enjoy and just remember how fun it is what they get to do. I know it's stressful, high-level athletes, but they have a lot of fun. Speaking of which, I had asked yesterday on the show for people to send me uh, pictures or videos of uh, what they're doing with their lemon Oreos. If you didn't get a chance to do that, send it in. I'll add it in on Monday's show. There was one that came in from Michael Riggs uh, that had, it was like in a, in a grocery store, it was a cutout of coach Davis. And he had like basically gave coach Davis a package of lemon Oreos to hold uh, great stuff there. Brandon Mayberry. And I've been sending some messages back and forth, but he sent me a pic of his package of lemon Oreos that he bought as well. I love this. Keep them coming. Anyway, John Minadakis, our heel of the week. Thank you, brother, for your great contribution. And then for our heel of the week, you're such a heel. Listen, we got to go back to the same place we did last week because that place was Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the Crimson Tide just keeps making boneheaded decisions. You've probably heard about this by now. But on Saturday, after all this other brouhaha had already happened, Brandon Miller comes out during his warmups, the one that's been the, the focus of all the conversation. And um, you know how a lot of times they'll have like a special handshake with a walk on that's at the end of the little gauntlet or whatever. And the, the walk on there, and this is what they've done all year long, but like pats him down and it, it could be innocuous enough, but it's just, it's tone deaf because this means that nobody, nobody around thought to be the adult in the room and say, Hey, you know what? We shouldn't do that because of everything that's going on and all the gaze and attention pointed at us right now. And I know coach Nate Oates said, Hey, I, I don't really see that. I'm drawing up plays, whatever. Uh, to me, that's bad leadership because even if you don't see it, you got to own it, right? Like if anybody's a leader out there, you know what I mean? And then secondly, like someone in the program, someone around should have caught this and said, Hey, Boys probably shouldn't do that. Now, they finally, to, to their credit, fixed it for uh, their game on Wednesday when they hosted uh, um, uh, excuse me, Auburn at home, and they just did a little side bump thing, and that's, that's great and fine. But Alabama, you got to get this stuff under control. 
Well, quickly, a little weekend look ahead at what else is going on around Tar Heels athletics outside of the basketball teams. And so let me go Friday, Saturday, Sunday in order. On Friday, the swimming team is at the American Short Course Nationals in Austin. They'll also be there throughout the weekend. Baseball is hosting Stony Brook throughout the weekend. Love for you to get out to the Bosch and check that out. Softball has multiple games uh, with Purdue and James Madison. Uh, Purdue on Friday and again on Saturday, James Madison on Saturday and Sunday. Men's tennis will be at Notre Dame today on Friday, while the women's tennis team will host Louisville, looking to keep the train rolling there. Women's lacrosse is at number four Boston College today on Friday. Big matchup, or excuse me, hosting number four Boston College. Big matchup there. And then gymnastics is taken on Air Force. On Saturday, we're obviously already talked about a couple of them, but women's rowing is at the Carolina Cup in Clemson. Men's lacrosse hosts Denver and softball continues on. On Sunday, swimming is the NCAA Zone Diving Championships. That's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wrestling is in Raleigh for the ACC Championships, so it would be great to get out there. Men's tennis is at Louisville. Women's tennis is hosting Notre Dame. So it's like a little flip-flop of what happened on Friday. So as always, lots of stuff going on around uh, Carolina Athletics this weekend. If the ladies team wins on Friday, obviously they will be playing again on Saturday. So keep tuned for that. That's it for this week on Locked Ontario's. Thanks so much for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Shoot us emails, LockedOntarHeels at gmail.com. Again, want to remind you, we are closing in on 5,000 YouTube subscribers. Thank you if you've already subscribed. If you haven't, do it right now. Yeah, love it. Please smash the like button and leave comments as well. And for your next listen, check out Locked on College Basketball, where myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know from around the college basketball landscape. One-stop shopping for that. It's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Friday hanging out with me talking Carolina sports. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace! Peace!